Hark, it's an 87th Precinct podcast bonus episode. This is the bonus episode to go along with our look at book number 52 in the series, Fat Ollie's Book, a very funny tale of, well, you've listened to the podcast probably. Tales of Tales. Tales of Tales, yes, I think that's a good way of putting it really. And before we get into our usual stuff of looking at the book covers and then some stuff from the year 2002, I will do what I forgot to do in the main episode, I have just realised, and talk about some of the contemporary reviews oh. of it. I got so excited and caught up in our finishing off um, that I forgot to do the contemporary reviews. So I will do them here now. So anyone who's not listened to the main podcast, which is very strange, um, this won't make any sense. But this is... You should, you should instead of doing contemporary reviews, we should have done Amazon reviews. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. we should have done, really, if there is yeah, anything on there. Mm-hmm. If we could only find some from the period, it'd be good. I don't know how far Shall back I, you can go. I'll try and find a funny one. Go for it. Anyway, let's see what I've got here. I have got a review from The Observer, the British newspaper, from the 5th of January 2003 by Peter Guttridge, which is called Heist Society. Ed McBain's latest 87th precinct book is a comedic gem. It starts, Back in the early 50s, before he became a full-time writer, Ed McBain worked in a literary agency that had P.G. Woodhouse amongst its clients. Strange as it might sound, he and Woodhouse became friends, in part because McBain was not afraid to suggest changes to Woodhouse's prose, and Woodhouse was, in McBain's view, professional enough to accept the suggestions if he felt they improved his text. See, I've always been talking about this relationship between Woodhouse and McBain, Uh so I'm glad to see it here reflected in this thing from back then. In Fat Ollie's book, McBain shows his own skill at comic writing, although it's a million miles from Woodhouse's world. The title of this latest in the 87th Precinct series has a double meaning. It is indeed a novel that brings Fat Ollie Weeks centre stage, but the title also of Fat Ollie's life's work, a police novel called A Report to the Commissioner. And it's quite a long review, this one. That a book so light, late in a series can be so light and lively is a tribute to McBain's skills. He has always admired prose such as Woodhouse. Fat Ollie's book demonstrates once again that he is himself a consummate professional. That's good, isn't it? See? Awesome. Uh, we can't help but go to the New York Times and Marilyn Stasio. Let's find out what she's got to say. In McBain's howlingly funny send-up, the novel is pure drivel, as in Fat Ollie's book, within the book. <laughs> but Ollie loved it and darned if we don't like him for that. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, it's not. It's a longer one than that, but essentially thumbs up yeah. from Marilyn there. Anyway, and we also have from the Times, 13th of December 2003, obviously when the paperback came out. The Master of the Police Procedural returns for his, by my count, 51st 87th Precinct novel. Well, you've missed one out then, haven't you? <laughs> Detectives Corella and Kling team up with the gourmand Ollie Weeks of the 88th to investigate the killing of a mayoral candidate. Ollie, an equal opportunity bigot, is also looking for the manuscript of his novel, a hilariously execrable police procedural that has fallen into the hands of a Puerto Rican cross-dressing whore. That's the Times there, using such nice language. Chairman. Uh, McBain is a perennial cause for rejoicing, which <laughs> is nice, isn't it? There, even if that wasn't like the Times, that's very fruity language for yeah, the Times, indeed. Indeed, so that's some contemporary reviews. Have we found any Amazon oh, reviews? Oh, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's um, I, I found one from uh, Paula Broadbent, verified um, purchase uh, in March 2016, two stars out of five. <gasps> um, kept jumping from the story. To the book that was supposed to be written by by the officer, which made the plot hard to follow. Okay. Perfectly right. illustrating the point. 
So it, yeah. it gets four out of four point one out of five on, um, but I've just gone to the one star reviews here. Oh right, okay. So let's have a look at these. Boynton and Thea Tyson, one star. Confusing. <laughs> right. Word. That's a great review. Joseph R. Dangle. <laughs> Terrible. Oh. Uh, David H. Spagnoli. Verbose, simple, with grade school storyline to boot. And verbose and simple. That's. Yeah, that's some going Jay Shiro says embarrassingly juvenile. Hard to believe McBurney is a multi-book selling author. Yeah, he sold more than three. Yeah. <laughs> Much better stuff is available for your time and money. So I don't know whether they just got confused with the uh, book within the book. It I, I, sounds I, I a bit like know. it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, th there is a case to be made if you've not been reading the series mm. to be dropped into Fat Ollie's book is, again, you don't... Because you see the world through Ollie's eyes, not through the author's that eyes. Is, it's not, not one to start reading the series on, is it? No. Because no. the gag of it coming out of the back of Money, 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 and also how do you meet the characters? You meet them through... Ollie talks about how he realises how Corella looks rather than the usual description of how Corella mm. looks and things like that. And we don't know that. So I can understand a little bit that people might get confused, yeah. but... But they're still idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah it, wouldn't, it, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be the entry that you'd say, oh, if you read that, you'll get a total understanding of what the 80 no. Cent Precinct's all about. It would score fairly low down. It's, enjoy In it, yeah, it's yeah. enjoyment comes from having read the previous 51 entries, I suppose, yes, doesn't it? absolutely, yeah. I think so. It's, yeah. But, yes, nicely illustrated there, um, the Amazon.com uh, <laughs> world of, of reviews that McBain was so taken against there anyway. Right, so on to the usual thing of looking at the book covers. Mm. So I will present the US hardback edition to Morgan to describe. Okay, um, well. It won't be a very long description, no, I don't think. It's mostly just Ed McBain's name. Um, and then down at the bottom, we've got Fat Ollie's book with... A, Bit of a picture of um, of a manuscript with um, a torn page and an underlining, and and that's about it, really. Yeah, it's a bit boring that one. It's, it's it? not terribly it is exciting. A bit boring. Not the most enthralling. And I'll get Steve O to describe the U.S. paperback first edition. It's a pretend parcel of pieces of paper with a bit of string crossing it in the top quadrant. It says top half Ed McBain. Bottom foul Ollie's book in like typewriter text, yeah, with a coffee stain. So clearly a, a pretend collection of papers of yeah. Fat Ollie's book it's, with the words Fat Ollie's book written on it. Yeah, it's not particularly inspiring. Given at no but, point are we told it's bundled up in string and no covered in that. I'll talk about the UK hardback and paperback mm. edition. So we all three of us have exactly the same paperback edition. Yeah. And that looks more or less exactly the same as the UK hardback edition, which has... So this is from Orion, the publisher at the time. Simon and Schuster for America is Orion in the UK. It's Fat Ollie's book and Ed McBain in the same font that they use for all the Orion editions. Mm. And it is a pile of paper bound with elastic bands in this case, where there's a bit of a tearing of the page and you mm. can see a little bit of the actual manuscript of... Ollie's book, Report to the Commissioner, behind it. Mm. I think it's that, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah, Mercer, that name's in there. 
Although yeah. it, it looks oh, oh. like it's written on a computer rather yeah. than on a typewriter. Uh, yeah, which... I, I would. Yeah, so yeah. minus I... one point for that. Uh, <laughs> but it's better than the other ones, certainly. Yeah, and it's uh, there's some diamonds scattered on it as yeah. well, which is obviously a reference to the diamonds in the story, which aren't real, so probably shouldn't exist on the book cover. They're slightly raised. It's slightly textured, the cover of it. But it, the, the rubber bands go around the... Um, Oh, it's a full wraparound. Yeah, so like the money, money, money one, it's uh, they're much better than we've had for a long time. These, yeah, they are, and they feel unified as from the same publisher. But it is quite big, though. This isn't it? Two hundred eighty ninety pages for a paperback. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good twenty percent longer than normal. But the yeah, the difference between the uh, the hardback in the UK is the hardback is just doesn't have any pull quotes on it and doesn't say an eighty seventh precinct novel and the paperback. Um, well, if it's to be believed, the original paperback didn't have an 87th Precinct novel on it as well, and but did have a literary review quote. Oh. However, the version we've got, which I think is, is the mass market paperback, both. does say an 87th Precinct novel and has a quote from the Daily Mirror. He is the undisputed master and there's nobody who does it better. Oh, on the spine, you've got all the papers going lengthways as well. Yeah, yeah. Like you've seen a cut through of the... Uh... That's yeah, quite, yeah a much thicker manuscript than uh, <laughs> yeah, Ollie's yeah, actual yeah. book. Than Ollie's, yeah. So yeah, not too bad then the, uh, the the UK edition really, as we've been saying. One thing I didn't mention as well is is who it's dedicated to, but you don't need to guess. It's uh-huh. dedicated to Dragishka as well, and Steve-O's gone in for a sniff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fairly low on the the smell. I mean, they're, they're relatively new books, aren't they? Mm, but yeah. Low, yeah. yeah. Okay. Two point five. <laughs> Two point five. We don't know the scale, but I'll have a go at mine. Oh yeah, there's barely anything to it. Yeah. It, See, it doesn't niff at all. Now mine was actually it was quite quite a cheap book because it's got some water damage oh, it wasn't oh, me anything going so, on so so it, it might have a bit more of an odor let's see how we go might have some might have some residual swamp musk <laughs> it, I wouldn't go so far as swamp musk but it's 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 a little bit more pungent than you might expect a book of this age to be so yeah okay so yours I think I've probably got the, the smelliest um, on the, on the niffometer on the <laughs> the huff the huff chart Okay, so those are the, so those are our editions in the uh, US and UK editions. Did find some international editions as well, or Japanese. And so I have got the French edition. We don't see the French oh. one, where the title of the book is Roman Noir, nice. which I think is just a French term for police story. Essentially, I think those those books are called noirs in in French, mm. oh, and no. Roman is like romance, like romance noir is. Oh. See the top of the Italian one there. What's it going to be? Mm. Yeah, but the French one is uh, Un Enquête du 87th uh, District. Couldn't remember what 87th was in French, <laughs> which is just a street scene, essentially. Yeah. And then we have the Italian Il Giallo Mondadori, which is Stevo. Oh, let me have a look. It's just a street scene. Yeah, it's a street scene oh. again. Whenever they just can't be bothered, it's back <laughs> to a general New York street yeah. scene. Looks like a planet, though, with a taxi. <laughs> the, um, oh, yes, because it's in a circle. It's in a circle. circle. I will share these, as usual. Il Rapato Scompaso. Oh, yes. The, um, so what does that mean? The report. No, I think it means like the the, the broken relationship or something like oh, that, or the yeah. regretful relationship. How strange. I should have written it down, but I didn't. Can I go? Can I scroll down? I think if you scroll down, you'll find the Japanese one. Ooh. Go for it, Steve. I'll describe the Japanese one and make sure to show the class. 
Right. Oh, crikey. In under Ooh. a thousand words, <laughs> it's got brown and blue and pink and white and yellow and purpley colours. It doesn't seem to be of any discernible item. Now, is that a gun? That's a gun. Right, pass so it here look, a second. There is a, a shape that might represent a gun, potentially. But Now, uh, I'm struggling to make out much there. Yeah, so, so as we know, the Hayakawa mystery paperbacks are these abstract paint designs. I I don't know gun. if this is more my state of mind or hmm. what, but I'm pretty sure I can see a pair of boobs in there. <gasps> boobs? Pink boobs there. I think oh. That would not be relevant, particularly to the story. Um, you don't think they're boobs, do you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> see, is it you know, is eyes and a mouth? I don't know. But then that looks like a gun, doesn't it? Well, we'll then, we'll open it. Know. We'll open it up to the uh, to our uh, they're normally our friends on the internet. very difficult to decipher. But I think that's the most difficult yet. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, I, I often wonder whether they're meant to be representational at all, and or whether <laughs> we're just kind of rorschaching, ink blotting our own yeah. impressions onto them. And I'm the one who said boobs. <laughs> oh, oh well, I like art. Um, yeah. So anyway, there's a few a few international editions, and I, like I say, I will share those on the old um, thingamies, Instagrams, and stuff. So let us now, though, go to the year 2002, the year through which this book was presumably completed and put together, ready for release, very first thing in the new year. When we get to music, I will do... In fact, we'll start with... Should we start with music? No, start with music. Yeah. I have picked music of the week of Christmas 2002. Ooh, so Christmas it, number one. So what was Christmas number one in the UK... In 2002. Are we like X Factor years? Yes, Morgan Brown, we're in that sort of zone. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would be guessing all, all year. I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, Cardle. Uh, bit no. early for him. Don't know. Will Even. Young? No. Um, Groups this time rather than individuals. Ah, uh, Girls Allowed? It's Girls Allowed. Sound yes. the underground. So, yes. We're in the era what of was the Christmas number one. Yeah, they were only formed, so they were the winners of of Pop Stars the Rivals. Was, was it? that what it was? I think so. Yeah, Pop Stars the Rivals in two thousand and two in the UK. So we're doing the UK top ten from one to ten at Christmas week here. So it should be jam packed full of Christmas tunes. <laughs> but they got the number one spot at Christmas with Sound of the Underground, which is a banger. It sure is. Yeah. So, so that series like finished just before Christmas then. Presumably, yeah, a couple did, of months before, I think, possibly. something like that. Yeah, they, they, they wasn't quite like the X Factor. I think they finished it, and then they, they'd have a, a few weeks of kind of showing them recording and yeah. what have you. Uh, okay, so that was number one, and I will now just run down the list of Christmas songs that we were listening to in the UK top ten in two thousand and two. So, know. how many of these are going to be Christmas then? Out of these ten. So we've already got one that isn't. Okay, well, you count as we go along. I'm going to guess 50-50. Okay, you any advance on that, Morgan? I think, oh, I don't know. It's going to be a bit less festive than that. Okay, oh, then. Okay. Well, keep counting as we go yeah, along. Yeah, right. Okay. So we know that Sound of the Underground at number one isn't. At number two, it's a, a double-sided single, Sacred Trust slash After You're Gone by One True Voice. One True Bleeding Voice. Here is a... a, a uh, Bg's covering it, Sacred Trust. That was the yeah. um, the Pete Waterman 
headed boy band that came second in the same show. Yeah, so basically, uh, whenever they can't think of anything interesting or new to give a band out of those talent shows, they give them a BG song, don't <laughs> yeah. they? In almost every... So that's not Christmassy. So we're two nil down now. Okay, uh, number three. Come on, Cliff. Where are you? It's, Where are you? It's everyone's favourite cheeky song. Brackets. Touch my bum. Close very, brackets. Very festive. By cheeky girls. <laughs> touch my bum. Yeah. Do yes. you Remember that one. Three nil down. Right. Touch T- my bum. This is life. Lem pick opic. Lem it opic. This to anyone outside of the UK will be absolutely <laughs> baffling. Well, it was it a pair of uh, Romanian uh, ladies who formed the Cheeky Girls? Oh, that's, I think one so, of, something like that. One and of then whom was married to a Liberal Democrat yeah. member of Parliament. Yeah. Who was, or certainly formed a relationship. I with think because they they were on nice, they they auditioned for Pop Thanks. Stars: The Rivals. They're another thing from that show, I, as well as I think yeah, they, they were sort of made fun of because they were sort of yeah, their English wasn't absolutely brilliant, and they had this bizarre song that was written by their mum. Yeah, um, they were characters yeah. is the phrase they would use um, and therefore massively exploited. But they got a, um, I think it number two must have, it was number two was the peak position. Mm. They got to number two with cheeky song, Touch My Bum. Uh-huh. Okay, number four, Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word by Blue featuring Elton John. Uh, the less said about that, the better. So sure, this is Christmas week. <laughs> yep. Number five, we have Lose Yourself, Eminem. Very festive again. Yeah. Nil five um, now. Yeah, so. eight miles. Uh, number six, If You're Not The One by Daniel Bedingfield. Oh, is that Daniel Bedoinfield? Bedoinfield. <laughs> see, this is before downloading, you see, whereas yes. now you can't get away from Christmas I think, things. Uh, so. that might have had, had some sort of, like... Sleigh bells in the background or something to make it sound slightly right, Christmasy. We're having but... that now. <laughs> Five one. We're on the comeback now. It's about as Christmassy as "Stay Another Day" by Seventeen. It's oh, one of these Christmassy. One of these songs that isn't it? Christmassy at all. But he, he wore He's got like a Christmas a, coat. He, isn't he, it? Yeah, some kind of Christmas coat in the video. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's okay. yeah, okay. Right. So after that, we've got at number seven. We've got "You're a Superstar" by Love Inc. Oh, that definitely isn't Christmassy. Right. No. Well, at number eight, we have got. The Ketchup Song, Asareggi, by Last Ketchup. Uh, that, that's like a proper summer holiday song, isn't it? Why the hell was that out at Christmas? Isn't that a song where they a song where they just name fast food things? What is no, it? I don't know. It's, that's the fast food song, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, this is one I'm, not, I'm not going to attempt to sing it. Um, you keep saying that. Though, condiments. You end they, up quote, they quote... Brown sauce, mustard, allowed yeah. horseradish. Yeah. All that, that was the one. Spe- special sauce. Kebab sauce. Yeah. All right. So anyway, that's a mad novelty song, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's a it's a kind of that like at number one. It definitely is like a Spanish holiday club eighteen thirty. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awful nonsense. Thing. Number nine, we have Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne, June. which she is apparently now considering making into a film. Uh, there was ru- there were rumors of that at the time. <laughs> it, it, it's about. It's, Time. It's, it's maybe been in development hell ever since for, then. For 19 years, she's um, thinking in the middle of a pandemic. Now's the time. That's it. Uh, she's she's, like, she's twice Kroger's, the age she was when now, she was in the world. She's throwing off Kroger's shackles. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Well, she, she does have, uh, have a new record out. It's a bit, bit of a banger. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great song, anyway, Skater Boy. Uh, number 10, Feel by Robbie Williams. Ooh. Yeah. So it's the one with zero Dar- Christmas Daryl Hannah songs, in the really. video, I think. It was very moody. 
awful. Yeah. So terrible. It's, it's not Christmassy, but like Stephen Rubbish. said, in the age of streaming nowadays, yeah. the charts suddenly fill up with Christmas songs from yeah. all areas. It's in that again. period between ye olde days of mm. Christmas songs and the modern day oh. of the ye olde Christmas songs. Yeah. All coming We're only back a together. year after the iPods come out here at yeah. this point, 2002, and that's before anyone's got streaming services. A few years of talent show number ones, and then like these days, it's just always that Divi singing about sausage rolls, isn't it? Yeah. Well, raises lots for charity. It's for charity, though, isn't it? So that's fine. Who's singing about sausage rolls? Lad baby, lad or baby. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, right. it's it's always a big charity thing. So it's it's nice, but oh, right. crikey, yeah. yeah. We built the city on sausage rolls oh, and, right. and all that. Okay, well, let's go to America and see how um, festive they were in America. From non. Okay, <laughs> after that. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's see. Half. What do you reckon is, is there more Christmas songs or more of the word featuring? Uh, <laughs> featuring. Okay. Or, or FT. Yeah. <laughs> Full stop. So we'll go from 10 up till the number one spot. And number 10 is The Game of Love by Santana featuring Michelle Branch. Oh, yeah. That's, that's quite a good one. But it's not a cover of... Sadly not, no. To love a woman. That would have been good. Was that actually. Wayne Fontana in the mind? Though? I think so, yeah. Santana. So you've got me. Wayne Santana. Me, 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 me. Wayne Santana. Like that. <laughs> uh, right, nine is Underneath It All by No Doubt featuring Lady oh. Saw. Oh, yeah, it's like a, yeah, I remember that one. Underneath It All. Maybe it means the tree. Yeah, possibly. It doesn't, does it? it was, yeah, not very festive kind of like reggae song. Yeah. Number eight, Don't Mess With My Man by Nivea featuring Brian and Brandon Casey. Nivea no, featuring... No. Featuring Vosine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also read it as Don't Mess With My Nan as well. Which... <laughs> wise words. Yeah, very wise. You can be making all this up for all I know. <laughs> could be. Absolutely. Because at number seven, we've got Bump, Bump, Bump. <laughs> by, <laughs> by who? By B2K and P. Diddy. Not featuring B2K and P. Diddy. Mm. A full collaboration there. <laughs> yeah. Number six, Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. Oh, I've heard yeah. that one. Yes, me too. Number five, we've got Air Force Ones by Nelly featuring K. Juan, Ali and Murphy Lee. Kaijuan? Kaijuan? I don't know. Not one of uh, Nelly's songs that I particularly remember. It's it's the fact it's called Air Force Ones. Not Mm. Air Force One. A spin-off project from something, doesn't it? Yeah. At number four, 03, Bonnie and Clyde by Jay-Z featuring Beyonce Knowles. Yeah. um, Because I think it it might have been the third version of that song that someone had done. I think it was... uh, I don't know why. There's definitely a version with some other rapper and Tony Braxton before it, and but I don't know. But it's not Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. No, see again, that would have been more fun. Okay, number three, you'll have heard of this one, Jenny from the Block, by Jennifer Lopez, featuring Styles and Jadakiss. I didn't know that was featuring anyone. Well, we go. Of course it was. Of course it was. Number two, Work It by Missy Misdemeanor Elliot. Uh, yeah. Featuring nobody but no. herself. Putting a thing down, flipping it and reversing it. I've no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and number one for Christmas week in America was Lose Yourself by Eminem. So, Ugh. so an absolutely the least festive year since Christmas. the birth of Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Anyway, anyway, we'll come to our 2002 album picks when we uh, get through the next bit of this. I'm gonna pick a Christmas album. <laughs> I'm gonna find the one. best of Christmas. To <laughs> end. Uh, I'll tell you what. We'll go on to the highest-grossing films of 2002. Uh, yeah, Potter is number two. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. There's a reference to Harry Potter in Fat Ollie's book. There is. Yeah. What, what about was, what? Patricia Gomez goes the, the last time she was at the cinema, which it was cinema was showing. No, the last time she was in a urinal, she was at the cinema that was showing Harry Potter because some someone had had his face smashed into a, a urinal, <laughs> which is kind of what I'd prefer to watching a Harry Potter film. So. Yes. Yeah. Any thoughts? Any other ones for two thousand two? There was a Bond film. There was a Bond film. Well, what's going to be higher than? If it's higher than Potter, there was a Star Wars film. There was a Star Wars film. That was at number four. Was it? Yeah. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the it's Clones. Going to be something I don't know then. Some Disney thing. No, you know very well what number one is. You know it very well. Oh, uh, Two Towers. Yeah, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. <laughs> oh, it's such a good film. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of franchise action that year, yeah. wasn't there? Well, there is. Yes, definitely. Well, like there is every single year oh, forever yeah. more yeah. now. Because at number three that year was Spider Man. Ah, Spider Man yeah. Three. No, just Spider Man. So yeah, there's new Spider-Man. They don't call them like in the old days. It was Spider-Man, and then you'd have Spider-Man two, and then Spider-Man three, and then four yeah. and five. You could keep track of where they're up to. Now they just give them names. So well, they don't have a clue. They're confusing matters now by bringing characters from the uh, old from there's the previous from this Spider-Man. Film, yeah, in absolutely. The new film, isn't there? So yeah. they should call them like Spider-Man, so like minus two if you were back a bit. <laughs> <laughs> or Spider-Man. So this is a more as clear as two B. The slash Superman three C. Yeah. You know, yeah. see, you know where you're up to. It makes as much sense to be the honest. Spider-Man it generally puts system. me off ever watching them because you just don't know where. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. I think that's what a lot of people feel intimidated by is the uh, sort of the feeling that you have to have invested a lot into knowing that Spider-Man No Way Home feels like part of a bigger thing that you should know something about rather than yeah. Spider-Man 2. So, yeah, now they're getting into multiverse ideas. It's a lot. Are. Multiverses are the new in thing. Yeah. yeah. Big turn off as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I could watch loads of them. Uh, <laughs> number five is Men in Black 2. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Number six is the Bond film. Uh, die the, something. Die another day. Die another. Something about dying. World. Die another day, yeah. Number seven is Signs. That's a really bad one, Ooh. isn't it? Die another day. Yeah. yeah. Like the invisible car one. Uh, Madonna, On the, Madonna yeah, doing the, the fencing. Bloody awful. Yeah, that's maybe one, well, definitely yeah, one of the, the worst. The CGI has not stood up in that at all. Uh, it's Signs. plot's awful. Yeah. But Signs is at number seven, yeah. It's um, oh, uh, yeah. thingy, isn't it? Um... Sixth Sense guy is that? Oh, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. See here, it said signs and the distributors Disney, so I assumed it would be something like something like Cars, and it would be like a load of signs that have come to life. I mean, possibly. I I think he did do one called Signs. Yeah. Yeah, Was it? Was that the beginning of him kind of totally undoing his? Reputation. Well, it was obviously a big hit, wasn't it? But I don't think it's very good. And then I think it definitely had a twist. Um, Yeah. Well, that's, you know, there you go. Uh, number eight was Ice Age. Oh, yeah. That's great. That stands yeah, up. Yeah, it's quite fun, isn't it? Uh, at number nine was My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Mm-hmm. And at number ten was Minority Report. 
mm. which is based on a novel by uh, Philip, Philip K. K. Dick. Dick. That's yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, a short story, at least. Uh, I've never seen it. Oh, Steve-O is miming him doing that thing that you do with screens yeah, in films now yeah. where you just wave your hand in the air and the yeah. post-production people put in a load of floating screens. There's a lot of that going on in that film, I seem to remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there was all sorts of things came out that year and we'll give our own film choices at some point, but there was like... Uh, they included uh, The 51st State. Oh, yeah. A lot of that's filmed in Liverpool. Yes, it was. A lot of film. A lot of the 51st State, starring Samuel L. Jackson, was filmed in Liverpool. It's a film that stars both Samuel L. Jackson, that's Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> and Keith Chegwin. Mm. Yep. Together at, at last. At last, at last. Yeah. Yeah. And ever since then, Samuel L. Jackson's been an honorary scouser, hasn't he? One of one of many. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, great hits such as Ali G in the house. Oh, crazy. Continuing the run of British comedy films that are rubbish. <laughs> um, the live-action Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's okay. kind of a soft spot for that. Um, I think um, that's just a soft spot for Sarah Michelle Gellar, I think, possibly. Um, yeah, or Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that, yeah. Was Keith Chegwin in that as well? <laughs> yeah, Sadly, he played um, a cave. Is, is Ron Atkinson the baddie? Oh, yes, he might be. Austin Powers in Gold Member. I can't. The last one. Austin Powers yeah. in Diminishing Returns. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've even seen that one. Yeah, I will have seen I, it. I, yeah, I think I've seen that. You see, there were like films that in very, very quickly... They captured a moment and then went... Disney put out Treasure Planet, which is one of their sort of ones that was like, what? People never remember <laughs> Treasure Planet, which was basically um, Treasure Island in done space, in space. Yeah. Um, there's films like... Uh, independent films like dirty pretty things like Stephen Freer's film which is mm. a very distressing film uh, the first Resident Evil film oh, which isn't me. too bad actually no, does have seen someone cut into cubes by lasers I think and that <laughs> makes me feel funny a computer game film yeah. yes yeah. so anyway we'll see what crops up in our own picks in a little uh-huh. bit but what started on TV in 2002 I hear you cry um, <laughs> give us a clue um, Have I ever watched what, any of this? Us, give us a clue. That was for years. <laughs> <laughs> have I ever watched this? You'll have watched some of these. Right, okay. okay. So certainly Steve-O and I are big fans of Inspector Morse, Ooh, yeah. which had ended by this point. Was well, Lewis start? Oh, probably. But, who cared about oh, right, no. uh, but the thing that was actually commissioned to go in the slot where Inspector Morse used to go was Foyle's War. Oh, it was, yeah. With Michael Kitchen as Foyle. Michael, I was pulling Michael Kitchen face then. Mike, yeah, you sounded a bit like <laughs> him actually. Yeah, he likes to sort of wince and a little honeysuckle, bit. Honeysuckle, honeysuckle weeks. Yes, which is a brilliant name. If you're an act, if you're called Honeysuckle Weeks and you don't become an actor, that's you know it would be a bit of a blunder. Yeah, yeah. So because people um, will forgive you being called Honeysuckle Weeks if you're an actor. If if you like a postman, I've watched a lot of them and I've still got quite a lot to go. They're a bit slow, yeah. but they're quite good Sunday afternoon telly. It's about a, which is a, a policeman investigator in the war. Who then becomes a spy after the war. Oof. Kind of. Well. Mm. But yeah. they, they're, they're, they're well made and they're uh, yeah. like, the, like all those things, a who's who of the television acting of their day, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So this is UK TV de- debuts, by the way, folks, in case you didn't guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spooks begins in 2002, mm-hmm. which was a BBC thing set in the world of espionage and government agencies and yeah, things. Featured no. a lot of people putting pen drives in things and waiting for data to download mm-hmm. while a ticker went up to 99%. You see, Jeopardy, they've got to be like, like fat on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, like got fat, to yeah, be you've a, got a ticking clock. Yeah. A ticking clock Universal yeah. fantasy, i.e. being a spy, ticking clock. Yeah. female character I bet yeah Let's, I bet we, you can we should see how many of these television programs <laughs> satisfy all the criteria that. yeah, yeah. Spooks you... definitely would do I think yeah uh, yeah probably not any of the other ones I've got on my list here have you got yeah. the list handy there, Mark? I have indeed. Okay, yeah. Does Spooks meet meet these criteria? What are well, they? Well, let's see. Um, it was create a plot that puts an ordinary person in an extraordinary situation. They weren't really ordinary people. Well, were they, they were spies. Uh, no. Was... Yeah, a plot that plays out a universal fantasy. We've already covered. That's yeah. really good. Um, come up with a plot that passes the cool test. Well, it's all about yeah. spies. Yeah. And that's pretty, that's that's pretty cool. Computers yeah. and shit. It yeah. makes one readers want to read it's the book pen, simply pen on the basis. Pen drives would have been very cool yeah. in 2002. Yeah. Plot must involve high stakes. Definitely. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. Uh, introduce the ticking clock. We've covered that. Yeah. That's definitely there. Um, be sure to avoid ambiguity. Um, oh, avoid situations where, where points in favour of both sides diminish the reader's ability to root intensely mm, for one side or the other. I will say that may be where it fell down because there was a lot of double agents. Yeah. Yeah, but so, you'd know you're rooting for that, wouldn't you? And, uh, Harry, the main guy. Avoid writing about what's in the news. Uh, well, that's sort of what's in the news, isn't yeah. it? Well, well he, not he's specifically. Got, he's, he's got some of You them, sort of believe certainly. it's always there in the background. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, it does know. quite well. Right, anyway, that, I don't think. Andy, we might yeah, just keep, we might need it for something else. <laughs> but some of the other UK TV debuts are the Scottish comedy Still Game. Oh, yeah. Which oh, yeah. is absolutely brilliant. We were watching it the other night. It's very funny. The uh, English comedy, 15 Stories High. Oh, that's... One of my all-time favourite comedies ever. Mm. Yeah. By the uh, late lamented Sean Locke as the main star in it. Yeah. And Benedict Wong, known to many people now as a huge part of the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe. Nice. We also have Look Around You, another very funny <laughs> British comedy. Oh, which yeah. is a parody of schools and uh, science programming. And... We also have things like I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, which is still going to this day. Somehow. Mm. And Flog It. Flog It. An auction-based programme where they always manage to find something to be the last thing in the programme that makes loads of money. Is that still going? (laughs) It is. It is. Mm. So was that before Bargain Hunt, I suppose? I don't know. They feel like they've been around forever. Yeah, they do, Mm. don't they? Flog It feels like a cross between Antiques Roadshow, Road Trip for American listeners and uh and bargain hunt mm. where people go oh i've got all this stuff in my house i don't want make me some money <laughs> what an ancient yeah artifact from yeah the family yeah you can flog that for 50 quid well go on yeah. then do you want to put a reserve on it for 50 quid yeah okay i want to flog it but i don't want to lose money anyway let's go to america some u.s tv debuts it's rather bizarre that this is a u.s tv debut but it is because it comes to mtv which is the osbournes Hi, yeah. Uh, Which on. was the reality show starring Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne and their children. Apart from the one who didn't want to be on it. Ah, yes. <laughs> Never watched a single second of it. Who's been the wiser of that? Who's <laughs> yeah. more glad of that decision? Yeah. We also have Monk starts. Oh, Monk, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, which is about a 
policeman, I think. He's a policeman until his wife is killed. Then he retires and develops um, obsessive-compulsive disorder and then starts working as a private detective but has obsessive-compulsive disorder. Tony Shalhoub, I think, is the name of the actor. Well, I don't know his name, but, yeah, I, 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 I remember it in the distant past. Yeah, I think it's a lot. it was a lot bigger in, in America than here, but uh-huh. it did show over here all of it, and it does sort of turn up on those channels that show those sorts of things. Yeah. Sort of in the Columbo mould, you know. Yeah, five-star to be on, wouldn't it? Yeah, something like five-star channel. CSI yeah. Miami, clearly the production team decided to go somewhere warm. <laughs> Is that the one with uh, David Carradine in? No, oh. David Carradine, Caruso. I've, uh, yeah, it, um, David the Carradine. opera singer Caruso is in. <laughs> I've, I don't know. I've never seen a single CSI uh, episode. No, David no, Carradine. That'd be a bit different. That'd wouldn't be it? cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Wire. Oh right. Yeah. God, I can't believe that was that long ago. I've still never seen that. I've never seen it either. Now I will be shouting at us because that's the thing you do with uh, the Wire. Yeah, Why haven't you watched it? No. Well, it's just supposed to be good, but they had this ridiculous thing that the way they showed it here, it was on, on an episode every, every day, every night about, on BBC Two at half eleven, or for something. about a month, oh. <laughs> and it was just like. And nobody had like boxes to record it. No, then. so oh, I remember like watching the first two, but it's like quite depressing and slow and. Just not the telly you want for, like... Not necessarily it, what you want to watch at half eleven at night, no. yeah. For, for 40 <laughs> days in a row. No, I will watch But it I believe it is very good, yeah. even mm. if they're yeah. not quite your... Yeah. Um, gritty would be the, the yeah. word. It's packed full of English actors anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what yeah. else have I got on my little list here? Oh, yeah, I've, I've no idea what this is, but I had to write it down because I think this is the worst name for a uh, crime-based show ever. Oh. It's just called Robbery Homicide Division. Robbery. That's just like some police words. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's like the, the, that Simpsons episode. Police, cops, police cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. And um, the Barefoot Contessa starts, which is a cooking show starring oh, yeah. Ina Garten, which sometimes we put on and end up watching like three episodes in a row, despite the fact she only does like one recipe in each thing, and then just <laughs> spends a lot of time wandering around, going to shops and seeing her friends. Oh, it's very easy TV. Hmm. And what else have I got? I've got oh, a couple of Australian ones for our Australian listeners here. Uh, the comedy Kath and Kim starts in 2002. Marvelous. I love Kath and Kim. Absolutely brilliant. Um, that's one I occasionally pop back to and watch a few episodes of. Yeah, again. Stuff. They have a crime series starts called Young Lions. The spin-off of Young Doctors. <laughs> that flying doctors. Yeah, flying doctors. Well, maybe it's, a young doctor. People are quite young, though. Well. <laughs> um, it, it, that, that's a bit more dynamic than uh, robbery, robbery homicide. homicide division. Yeah. What's it called again? Sorry. Young, Lions. young Lions. The storyline of the series revolved around the professional and private lives of four rookie detectives, the Young Lions of Southwest 101, an inner-city Sydney police station. Oof. The programme rated poorly and was not renewed after its first season. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. I was envisaging like a, a an Australian uh, adaptation of the New Centurions by yeah. Joseph Wamba or something like that. No. Terry Lyons. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, a the, family of cops. Yeah, could be. But then they have to be like mixed age lions then, wouldn't they? <laughs> mixed age. <laughs> Life they were with all, the mixed age lions. Unless they were all like triplets and they all, they all became <laughs> detectives at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder it got cancelled after a season. Yeah. The concept's simply, a little hard I'd, to follow. I'd simply not thought it through. <laughs> I think it's, 
<laughs> You've destroyed Morgan with this concept. At the end of the first series, they all retire because yeah. they're all the same age, but they're all yeah. 64. Oh, dear. Anyway. Right, so music choices albums. Oof. I will go first, get it out the way. for. Uh-huh. Um, well, I'll do my picks. Do... Terrible choice. No, no, I'll do my picks fix for albums and films first and just get it done, okay? Because my pick for an album for 2002 is George Harrison's Brainwashed which is his final album and was released posthumously. So George Harrison died in 19 uh, uh, died at the age of 58 in 2001 which was a very horrible day for oh. me. I remember it very very clearly as a big Beatles fan. I remember where I was because it was when me and Morgan were living together in that crappy flat in Prince's Road. <laughs> yes. And I'd lent someone my copy of All Things Must Pass and so I didn't have any George Harrison in the in the house oh. to listen to. Yeah, but Brainwashed was based on a series of recordings, not none of which were fully finished, I don't think, but most of it was there. It had been his first album for years. And yes, Jeff Lynne finished off a lot of it. But, of course he did. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah. But the, uh, the thing is, it's it's a really good album. Oh. It actually contains a lot of very, very well-written songs uh, that sort of do what George does best, you know, his spirituality and... Uh, love and a few slide guitar sounds that you would expect from things and it is it's a it was a really really good album and it was such a shame it had to be something that came out posthumously um but i'm glad it exists so that was my album pick for 2002 uh yeah love it very very good album that one and my film pick i've got a couple here i don't know what to choose Mm -hmm. from but i think i'm gonna go again for a uh, Studio Ghibli film because I'm, I'm pretty sure I've show, chosen one before oh. and in this case I'm going to go for Spirited Away well because it is yeah, again it's a phenomenal film the animation is astonishing it's another film where you can watch it and be just totally lost in the world it creates beautifully animated beautifully illustrated beautifully told story um, creepy weird Features peop- uh, a character who eats a lot. It's a bit like Fat Ollie in No Face, who I once went to a Halloween fancy dress party as, which was good because it's very enigmatic and freaky. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, brilliant. So I'm going to have Spirited Away as my choice of film for 2002. And I'm going to go to Steve-O oh, for his okay. picks for 2002. Well, you know, I, I was going to go for the Flaming Lips, Yushimi Battles, The Pink Robots, okay. which is a very lush, beautiful album. But I think I'm going to go for my favourite ever Christmas album. Oh, <laughs> so enraged the, at the charts. Which, which gone. happened to come out in the year 2002, and, well, you all know which one it's going to be. Uh, Christmas is Almost Here by Carly Simon. <laughs> now, it features not only Willie Nelson, but it's... Uh, Features Don Was. From Was Not Was. was. Um, and Billy Preston. Oh, yeah. Well, there's another mate of George Harrison's there. Yeah. And a guy called Ben Montench as well. Brings a bit from um, them. Yeah. 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 So, you know, we, we all love that Carly Simon Christmas album from 2002, don't we? We always put that on <laughs> Christmas Eve, or Christmas morning. Yeah. yeah. You know, play it to death. I have to buy it. So, yeah, I'm going to go for that. But well, if you can't find that, 
flaming go for, lips. Go for pink robots, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, there you go. I like the fact that you're so enraged at the uh, music buyers yes. of 2002 that yeah. you've uh, you've done that. So what are you going for for your film? Uh, so, yes, my film. Yeah, there's yeah, quite a lot of blockbusters that were actually quite good, but uh, I'm going to go for The Pianist, which isn't a particularly great Christmas movie, but um, uh, Roman Polanski's Holocaust film. Yes. Um, uh, is very bleak, and uh, but a very engaging and interesting film. Yeah, it's pretty gruelling, but definitely a pretty amazing film too, yeah. Right, okay. Well, you can listen to your Carly Simon Christmas album and put yeah, the pianist so, on. Yeah. I wouldn't have that on for the at classic, the same time, the classic to be Christmas honest. Day. <laughs> Not sure Billy Preston's organ yeah. would uh, yeah. It, it, it sync up nicely with the piano and really. the pianist. Yeah, okay. Right, well, I come to Morgan Brown for his picks. Uh, yeah, cool. Um, Album-wise, uh, I am going to go for The Process of Belief by Bad Religion. Um, mm. They'd um, I've been going for, for years and years by that point, but they'd, through the 90s, um, they lost their one of the two main songwriters who um, quit the band to concentrate on running his record label. And then 2002, he rejoined the band, and it was a, a quite a big event for people who are into, into Bad Religion. It was a bit like Adrian Smith coming back to Iron Maid because they, they kept the, 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 the existing lineup and just added him back. So it was a three-guitar lineup, and it's very exciting. Wow. Um, and it's it's a, an absolute tour de force, just sort of um, like great kind of fairly raging hardcore punk but with with big melodies and these intelligent wordy lyrics and elaborate harmonies and yeah it's it's cracking cool. you like that kind of thing oh, there was do. quite a lot of punk bands of that ilk in 2002 put albums out i was scanning mm. down that list i thought there's a lot here that could morgan could choose <laughs> yeah. i was looking down they're still going or yes yeah, so they're still still uh still cracking on um i think he um Brett Gurevitz, who's the guitarist, he came back. He still records with them. I think he rarely tours. Um, and one of the other guitarists has left, and they've, they've had a few changes around. They're still going. They actually had a Christmas album, not that year, sadly. Oh. But the, the, I've never bought it because uh, it's always expensive and only has nine songs on. But they, they've, there is a Christmas album of them doing. Cause they're normally very serious. And it's them doing a bunch of Christmas classics in that bad religion style, which is quite hilarious. <laughs> Um, film then, Morgan. Film-wise, I am going to go for um, Talk to Her. I, I can't remember what it is in Spanish. Um, the uh, uh, okay. Pedro Almodovar movie. Yes. Um, which is, it's a curious film. Um, kind of dealing with the re relationship that forms between a, 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 a couple of um, disparate characters who um, are visiting people, uh, women who are in hospital in, in a coma. Oh. Um, and the, the various backstories that led them to these situations. It's, it's, it's quite, quite funny, like funnier than, than that situation <laughs> suggests. Quite disturbing in parts, um, like really moving as well. It's, it's, it's a pretty amazing film. Um, I, I do enjoy it very much. And uh, I think I saw it in the cinema. Um, it, it's good. All oh, right. Okay. Interesting selection there. Mm -hmm. So we've got all sorts for you to to ponder in our choices from two thousand and two. Okay. Then, well, it, all that remains then is for me to wrap up this by saying, "Well, oh, this will be the last thing you hear from us, unless I come up with something completely mad in the next couple of weeks from the year of two thousand and one." 
Uh, 2001? What year is it now? 2021? <laughs> oh mm. Don't see, this is just God, what's okay. happened. This is what's happened to slip. my brain. We have fallen into a time slip. No, a podcast within a podcast now. Oh, no. This is <laughs> Fat Ollie's podcast. Um, he would do one. It'd be like three episodes that are off two minutes each. And you'd think it was brilliant. Um, no, 2021 which has been one of the worst years to have ever lived through um, in many ways, continuing the trend of dreadful years that's been going on. Uh, it's been certainly very tough for me at times, and I know it has for a lot of people in, in, in many different ways. I hope 2022 will find us all on an upward positive streak once we get over the next wave of stuff we've got to deal with it's a lot of gritting our teeth and just getting on with it unfortunately whereas it would be nice to be i don't know maybe we'll emerge into some sort of hedonistic new nine you know equivalent of the 1920s and we'll all be doing bizarre dances and stacking up champagne glasses yeah. before too long standing on the tops of flagpoles or whatever yeah all that sort of stuff Yes. Well, thank you to everyone for listening to us this year. We only have technically three more episodes to, to go when we come back in the new year to round out the, the main series of this. So thanks for sticking with us if you have. If you haven't, well, boo to you. <laughs> but otherwise, it's a, a very Merry Christmas from me. And from Steve-O, it's... Ho, ho, ho. And from Morgan, it's... Merry Christmas. And fare thee well, of course. Bye. <laughs>